Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is Tuesday, April 3rd, and today we're reading in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 46, the second paragraph that starts much to our relief, going through two paragraphs, ending on however limited it was. Today's readers are, thank you for your service, Craig F., Marcella M., Martha Z., Tenzin P., Eve K. The reference numbers for yesterday's meeting, Monday, April 2nd, the 7 a.m. meeting is 11,239. That's 11,239 for the 7 a.m. meeting. And for the 10 a.m. meeting, 11,241. That's 11,241 for the 10 a.m. meeting. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrines. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Tenzin P. to please read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Tenzin. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Tenzin P. from New York. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 
Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tenzin P. I will now ask for Eve K. to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Eve. Hi, good morning. My name is Eve K. I'm a compulsive overeater from Brooklyn, New York. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever minding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to do this service. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Thank you, Eve Kay. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. 
we are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 again to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study in the big book on page 46, the second paragraph starting with much to our relief. And Craig F. is going to start us out. Go ahead, Craig. Good morning. This is Craig F., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. May I be heard? Yes. Great. Much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and to affect contact with him. As soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, we began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. We found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who, who earnestly seek. It is open, we believe, to all people. We therefore, when therefore we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception of God. This applies to, this applies to, to other spiritual expressions which you find in this book. Do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly seeking, honestly asking yourselves what they mean to you. At the start, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth, to affect our first conscious relation with God as we understood him. Afterwards, we found ourselves accepting many things which then seemed entirely out of reach. That was growth, but if we wished to grow, we had to begin somewhere. So we used our own conception, however limited it was. Um, this, these two paragraphs are packed with promises to begin with. Um, you know, uh, as soon as we admitted, uh, uh, then, then we began to be possessed. Uh, the realm of the spirits broad, open we believe to all people. We found ourselves accepting many things that seemed entirely out of reach. These are the, these to me are, are promises, and they're and they're, uh, they're they bring me a lot of hope. I always take great hope in that. that. Um, you know, I uh, I what I want to think that the underlying principle to to this might just well be humility. That uh, you know, I, it, it's it's humbling to say. No matter how uh, smart or well versed or uh, intellectual that a person thinks they are, uh, you know, we're never going to have uh, a perfect conception of God. The mind of God is, I think, beyond me. I didn't create God; God created me. So, uh, whatever that God is, uh, no matter what your theological bent is um, you know God's going to be greater than that and uh, so I have to have the humility to uh, to admit that that I that my conceptions are never going to be large enough uh, anyway so they may as well be simple enough you know 
um, you may I may as well set in wonder at, at God in awe of God than to be uh, uh, defining and and say this is this is the corral the the box that I'm going to put around this this uh, power of the universe. So uh, and and then the humility to say uh, that uh, not just that I don't know, but that there is a God and I'm not it. Uh, and I think it's when we come to that place on our knees that says that says that says that I'm humble that we begin to grow and uh, we begin to uh, to be open to receive the the power um, uh, of this great God. I I'm finished with my story that I you may have heard me say I. I I was looking for a church, and I was, I was looking for the, the perfect theology. You know, I, it was important to me to find the, uh, the right place that had, you know, that believed exactly the right way. You know, and 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 uh, I would grill the, the, the preacher. You know, not during service, but uh, you know, I'd go see him and, what do you believe, and why do you believe that, and and and. Uh, I, I was sitting in this church one Sunday morning uh, that I kind of liked anyway, but uh, there were three, there were two little boys in front of me that had Down syndrome, and and I uh, had in my head I thought those poor little kids uh, are not smart enough to know what to believe. Now I, I know that's not a very humble thought, but I had that thought, and immediately I uh, I think God spoke to me in that quiet voice inside and said, you know, and, and what about you? Are you smart enough to, you know, what is your intelligence compared to, compared to the knowledge of all things? And, and, and I realized that those two little boys sitting there, they weren't, it wasn't like I was a great deal of difference between my intelligence. I was so proud of and these two little boys. And, and I could just choose between I uh, heard uh, between one of them that was being that was happy to be there and loved God, and one of them that was angry to be Hi. there. I got to choose, yes, which one I was. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Craig. Okay, so who would like to share on what was read? Take the first five. Katie G from Boston. Kim G from Denver. Larry P. Helen L. Tenzin P. Okay, so here's what I have. Katie G, Kim G, Larry K, Helen L, Tenzin P. I can take one more. Marcella M. Chuck K. I think it was John K. is the only person I heard. Was that right, John K.? It was Chuck. Oh, Chuck? Chuck K.? All right, let's go with that. Katie G, Kim G, Larry K, Helen L, Tenzin P, and Chuck K. Katie G, you are up. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, my fellows. This is Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic in Boston. And so exciting. Yeah, so what occurred to me this morning is, um, you know, this idea of making an approach to contact God. And it's kind of like, the pilot announces, you know, we're going to make the approach to land um, to affect this contact with God. And, um, 
you know, so much of that was me admitting I am not God. And it wasn't about having these flighty philosophical discussions that I wanted to have. I wanted to fight. I wanted to tell you why God was not available or not good enough or where was he or all this stuff. But it's like, you know what? It didn't matter because I was in so much pain. The food convinced me like there had to be something more and and I couldn't, I, I wasn't it. But you know, sometimes I read this paragraph and I think, oh, yeah, let's go to the top of a mountain and seek God, right? But that's not what they're talking about, right? They're saying that as soon as I admit the possible existence of God, we began to be possessed with a power provided I take other simple steps. And what does that mean? For me today, that means this beautiful idea um, exemplifies it, right? So it says, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding, which is the exact opposite of my judgmental mind. You know, like my resentful, selfish, fearful mind is, is closed, you know, exclusive, judgmental, and nobody's allowed in except for me, unless you worship me and want me to be, you know, the president and the king and God. No, it's open to everyone, provided I seek. And what does seeking mean? It does not mean adding to my life. In fact, it means the exact opposite. It does mean to go in search of. But what I have heard is like the result of doing step four is intimacy into me, I see into understanding how do I turn my will and my life over to the care of God? I got to understand what it is. And how do I know what it is? By doing steps four through nine. I go in search of God and there God is when I uncover, discover, and discard the things that are blocking me from God, which is this little girl inside of me that is so afraid of letting go because who's going to protect me? Who's going to take care of me? Because the food has been my solution to everything my whole life. And I have to tell you that this daily process of surrendering and letting go, number one, most importantly, of the food, and then, of course, the rush of everything that I think I know. A prejudice is, and I'll just wrap up with this, a prejudice is any old idea I have had as of like five minutes ago. I need to continue to let go, and I will seek, and God arrives. And that is in a 24-hour daily reprieve, recovered state of mind and body. And I'm going to continue and show up with you guys one day at a time, shoulder to shoulder. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Katie G. Kim G, followed by Larry K. Go ahead, Kim. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. You know, that, that was very important to me, you know, Personally, I you know, went through 12 years of Catholic school, so I did not need this chapter and avoided it for years. But my experience now over the last seven years is that I often find that religious people and believers are the people that need this the most because we often possess the most prejudices. You know, there's a, a speaker, an AA speaker, one of my favorites that I love that says, it's not what we don't know that will kill us, but what we know for sure that isn't true that will kill us. So it's my belief systems, those things I know that are killing me, those things I know that are blocking me from access to this power. So I had to look at that. I'll just tell you a couple of my prejudices. You know, I thought God's job was world hunger. He didn't have time for Ken's hunger. You know, I thought that God was only available on Sunday mornings at 11.15 a.m. in Morristown, New Jersey. 
You know, I thought I could only access God through priests and nuns. You know, I really thought of God as Santa Claus. If I'm a really good girl, then I'm going to get what I want. And if I'm a bad girl, I'm going to get coal in my stocking. I had very, very strong beliefs. And what I realized as I worked through the steps, it's not about being Catholic. It's not even about the church in general. It's how I internalize things. You know, I find it interesting. I have a brother that's a year younger than me, and we went through all 12 years of Catholic school together. And I will often ask him about stuff that I remember from my childhood, and he has a totally different interpretation. He didn't hear what I heard, and he heard stuff I didn't hear. So that tells me that my alcoholic brain, my mental twist is, is so strong that my alcoholic brain personalizes, internalizes, catastrophizes, and judges, and is very, very rigid. You know, I heard recently in an AA speech that in religion they say, here are the principles, do them. In the 12-step program, we say, here are the principles. You don't have the power to do them. So this chapter is not about my beliefs, about God, about religion, even about Overeaters Anonymous and the 12 steps in general, because I'm someone that went in and out of OA for decades, relapsing and trying to figure this stuff out. What this chapter is about, it's asking me, do I need a power? And if I need a power, that is step two. That's the conclusion. I move on to making a decision to seek that power. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Larry K. followed by Helen L. You're up, Larry. Amy, what you going to do? I love that song. Hey, Amy. Uh, <laughs> uh, Larry K. Recovered. Um, yeah, I just, I was thinking about when we were reading about our instincts, you know, these, what I would say, these God-given instincts. You know, what, you know, it's given an instinct to eat. And, and why, why, if there is a God, why, why did I become a compulsive overeater? I think I, I took it beyond what was intended of that instinct, the social instinct. Why, you know, why did I, why did I take hostages as, as partners and friends? And, you know, why didn't I just deal with them in a way that would bring them closer? I think I took that instinct beyond what was intended. And why am I stubborn? Why do I feel stubborn about this notion of a higher power? Why was I created this way? See, my pride can often be buried deep under rationalization because if I can't touch it and I can't feel it, I don't feel better and I can't see it, well, it doesn't exist. Maybe I took through that stubbornness, I took that instinct, that God-given instinct, I believe it's God-given, to discern, to rationalize, conceptualize. See, my dog doesn't, you know, contemplate, do I go left or do I go right? created differently than a human being, perhaps. You know, for me, step two is merely like a a daily choice that there's something deeper. I choose to believe there's something, something deeper than my consciousness. You know, there's something, there's a universal creator, a mastermind, if you will, underlying it all. I choose to believe that each day. I don't have to believe that. I'm not a robot. You're not a robot either. We're imbued with an instinct to discern, you know, and as long as I engage in a daily walk through these steps, you know, the, the pilot light doesn't get extinguished, you know. It, sometimes it really lights up, and it can never be fully extinguished, and sometimes the burner through these steps, through these daily actions, the burner turns up a bit, you know, and when I choose to pay 
homage to the disease while the, the light it's flickering. It doesn't even see like, seem like it's on to me. See, the, the, the steps produce an essential inward change in the fundamental you know, makeup of my instincts. They're redirected. Some, for some reason, I can choose today to embrace science, intellect, but still somehow believe that there may be something underlying it all, some creative force that's not me and it's not you. It's something greater. And if I'm going to be able to be capable of that, I start with step two, just being open to it, and then I can embark on a complete deflation of ego and a dependence on a higher power and a moral inventory, maybe some sort of confession and restitution. See, those, that's, that's built into the sausage there of the, you know, of, the, of the action steps, right, that we live every day. We choose. So grateful. Thanks, Amy. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry. Helen L., followed by Tenzin P. Go ahead, Helen. Good morning, everyone. This is Helen L. from Pembroke, Ontario, Canada. Greatly, gratefully recovered. Um, I have to say that, um, you know, I, I was blocked off from a higher power for the first seven years that I was in program, and it wasn't until I came into a vision for you that that I saw the evidence of of the power of the big book, the power of of working these steps, and um, and I saw it with other overeaters and food addicts, and I was totally inspired by that. You know, for the first time ever, going to that um, for the big book weekend back in September in New Jersey, I I saw people who were happy, joyous, and free, and also in in right-sized bodies, and and I saw what it could be like. And, you know, a big part of me finding or seeking a higher power was to say, wow, that's, that is something else. That's what I want. And there's, there's clear evidence here that these folks and, and you know, even the first 100 um, and I guess thousands after that, who use the big book to help them find that life that is happy, joyous, and free, you know, it was evidence enough for me to just seek it every day. And and this has not been a perfect process for me at all, at all. I, I, I just have to make things as simple as possible. Um, not the sharpest tool in the shed, but this book helps me to follow some simple things. And I, I followed the evidence and I and what I find really, really helpful. So if there's anybody new on the line, what I find really helpful is that daily practice, that daily meditation, that just seeking and opening my heart to an idea, something else that is driving my day that is not me. And I know that there's you know, a prayer, a couple of prayers that I can do to call on that higher power. I've listened to and sought out all of the special editions that kind of speak to this issue. And I listened and um, I find that just the fact that I'm willing to seek it out, to conjure it up, to look into it, to open myself up to it on a daily basis, um, and it's not perfect. It's just not perfect. It's never going to be perfect. But I know that the promise is there 
if I seek it out. And um, and I just wanted to encourage people to, uh, you know, just make that effort, make that effort, because once I put down the food, I needed something really big. And, and I knew that I needed something really big. And it was just, um, it ended up being a really simple idea. Stop, pause, listen, and hope. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Helen. All right, Tenzin P, followed by Chuck K. Go ahead, Tenzin. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Tenzin P. Um, so great. I'm so grateful for the shares and uh, so uh, grateful for where we are in the big book. I've heard other people talk about favorite sentences, favorite paragraphs, but really the past couple of days and today, I'm experiencing for the first time Oh, this is my favorite paragraph, favorite section. Um, uh, the, the, the view so spacious. Um, I was thinking this morning of, well, uh, all, all the different phrases here that are being offered, even in these two uh, paragraphs, spirit of the universe, realm of the spirit, creative intelligence. So I was thinking with a little bit of humor that, uh, you know, it, it, it's like the spiritual supermarket, uh, but, you know, offered by people for whom all of these phrases have been helpful. And as someone else shared, with humility, keeping an open mind, you know, um, may I keep an open mind. I don't have to seek desperately. I can, uh, it's it's so comforting to know that I that I just have to keep an open mind I don't have to have all the answers or when am I ever going to have all the answers? I can turn over that, you know, expectation of myself. So, um, and I also notice that in this first paragraph, um, there is the condition, provided we took other simple steps. So I am in my ninth step, just uh Making a tenth, eleventh, twelfth more um, more comfortable, uh, focused part of my daily life, and um, and knowing that keeping going with all of this um, is is the way to the peace that I have not known. And um, as someone else talked about, so many promises in these two paragraphs. So. That's all I have. Thank you so much, everyone who's here. And um, this book is such a role model. And so many people in this program, such role models for all of us. So may I keep learning. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tenzin P. Chuck K., you're up. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes. I am Chuck K. from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. This is my first time sharing with this meeting. Welcome. And I'm thankful for this meeting. I'm thankful for program. And I'm really thankful for a God that really wants to know me better. Um, I've been in program for three years, <clears throat> and I grew up with a loving God, a loving conception of God. I uh, married a Southern Baptist preacher's daughter, and my children go to church every Sunday. And it took program to teach me that my conception of God was killing me, and I couldn't understand it. 
And I think the reason for that, what I'm learning is, it was because of my lack of being able to be humble and being open-minded. And in this chapter, my sponsor has me reading this chapter every week or every day for a month. And I don't think that it's a coincidence that I'm here this morning and sharing with, with this group. What I'm learning is I have to put aside all of those conceptions that I had because when I do that, I'm able to be humble. I love the phrase that I heard yesterday that said, there's a God and it's not me. And I have to understand that every day. And if I don't come to God with that ego put aside and all those conceptions put aside, then I'm really not able to learn for what God has for me for in that day. So I'm thankful for the things that I've learned. Um, I'm very thankful for program. I'm thankful for this meeting, and, and I'll pass with that. Have a good day. Thank you, Chuck, and welcome. Okay, so let's take some more shares. Who would like to share on what we've read? Yes. Yes. Marcella M. Rita P. Yes. Oh, Rita P. Yeah. Got Mary Okay, Mary Beth. I think I missed somebody. Oh, Marcella. I think I heard Marcella in there. Yes, thank you. Okay, who else? Irini M. Irini M. Leia M. Leia M. I'll stop with that. I've got Nessa R, Reva P, Mary Beth, Marcella, Irini M, Leia M. Nessa R, you are up, followed by Reva P. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, good morning. Wishing for you. My name is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. You know, when um, I first became acquainted, um, and I would say very superficially acquainted with the steps, um, when I came into program, I thought, step two men, just turn to God. And I have been turning to God for years. Years and years and years and decades. And that that didn't really work. You know, um, it said, I used to say to God, you know, God, you know, please help me be thin, help me lose weight, all the while shoving fistfuls of food, you know, down my throat. Um, God, please give me everything I want so I can be happy. And I discovered later, um, as I truly learned the steps and went through the steps, that step two is merely a choice. There's no action involved. It's merely a choice. I am choosing between two solutions. One is the food and the other one is God. Um, and if I make the choice uh, to choose God, which is obviously what I did, even then I don't have access to God. I have to take a few simple steps. Three, um, three, to, uh, three to nine to remove all the blockages that separate me from God. Um, Ten, to keep those blockages um, cleared uh, and to remove any new blockages that may appear. And then in step 11, I actually have access um, to God. And this is why it's so important to, to work uh, all the, the steps every day, 10 and 11, 10 a compression of all the previous steps, and 11, the, the prayer and meditation. Um, but at step two, at step two, I'm just coming to the realization that my way doesn't work. And I, for me, that happened when I came to contact for the first time about seven years, maybe eight years ago, um, uh, 
with uh, uh, someone whom, in whom the problem had been solved, and I saw truly for the first time how horrible my life was, but also how beautiful my life could be, because here was a person uh, who was similar to me, a similar lifestyle, um, you know, challenges, um, you know, everything. And she lived a beautiful life, and I wanted that. And what I had to do, what that showed me was, hey, my way isn't working. Um, you know, it highlighted the pain of being in the food, so much so that the pain of being in the food became so much greater than the pain of abstinence. And I was willing to endure the pain of abstinence long enough to work those simple steps so I could come out the other side uh, and have that relationship with God that solved all my problems. And by that, I passed. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Reva P., followed by Mary Beth. Reva, you're up. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, also in Toronto. Um, the first thing that struck me is that at least four times it keeps saying, your own conception, your own conception. God, as we understood him, we used our own conception. And I am so grateful for that part of step two because I too had a fantastic, thorough, complete religious education, and I had prejudices. I thought I knew everything about what God was and wasn't. And if my uh, problem is lack of power and the solution is access to a power, why would I bother doing all this step work, accessing a power that is really not very kind and punishes me if I do anything that I think is like, you know, off the rules? So it was a revelation to hear this God as I understand him and to be told that I'm allowed to fire uh, my old God and start conceiving of something new. And that was the beginning for me. And then the other thing that struck me is this seeking and earnestly seeking. And it says several times, starting, commencing, beginning, and growth. Um, and I'm always beginning. Um, I, I, I like to, you know, achieve and get to an outcome. And it keeps telling me commence and seek. I don't want to seek. I want to get there. Um, but I'm learning that it's in the seeking um, that I, um, I grow. And there is no destination because it's a limitless spiritual growth. Um, and how do I seek God? Um, I always say this because I really thought I had to sit in a room for hours and hours and write my ideal and what is God and, um, you know, intellectualize it. I seek God by doing the step work and removing my blocks. And then I uncover and start to see really clearly all the old ideas. And through you guys and people who have gone before me, I get the glimpse of what else it the new idea could be. Um, and when I empty out all my gook and keep the channel open, you know, it just comes. Um, new ideas, new ways of doing things, and new actions. Um, and it's constantly seeking, never getting to a destination, but always um, asking and asking and asking. Because the first realization is, I don't know, I can't do this, and then seeking something that can help me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Mary Beth, followed by Marcella M. Mary Beth, what's your last initial? I didn't catch that. Hi, this is Mary Beth. Thank you. 
Um, I just wanted to share about the um, the parts kind of in the beginning. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and to affect the contact with him. And I've been in program a long time. I won't tell you my whole story, but this last time I was sitting outside of my mom's in the back and I smoked, picked up smoking in, in addition, you know, the, the gateway to the food. And I had this spot and I would always go to I was go to it. And there's an empty chair there. And I remembered in my other arm of OA, whatever, one thing I had heard was the first thing to go was your quiet time. And I remembered hearing it, you know, like that ominous warning on the tombstone. And I was like, oh, that was good. But I didn't hear it. You know, I didn't, like, heed warning to it. And that had it had fallen apart in, in that past. And, um, and it was, like, dawning on me as I was sitting there in misery, but thinking, this is great, you know, smoking, eating, blah, blah, blah. Like, there, it was. It was like, it was like as if God was just sitting there in that empty chair, waiting, always there, constantly with me. And it was almost like, well, the, the first thing that can start you back up is that quiet time. You know, it was just like this moment that wasn't like, ah, you know, but wow, it was, ah, you know, it's like that. It's like this whole program to me. Sometimes it's like this other side of the fence, you know, and, and, and I would struggle. How do you get over there and stay there? And what is this all? I overthink everything. I so much have this that part of the mind that thinking, you know, I mean, that's what it is. I'm, I'm, I'm getting that or I'm being aware of it. I don't know. I don't know that. I love it when I say that. So anyways, I just wanted to share that, however inadequate was sufficient to make the approach and to affect the contact with them. Because I'll constantly be like, I have, I have no idea, my gosh, should I this, should I that, should I? And I'll take a, a, a whole inventory of other people, like, uh, not inventory, but you know, what do you think? Should you really, you know, and I'm like constantly asking other people's opinions, and, you know, which on some level is good to do some investigation kind of like, but make my own decisions. And, and that's just really powerful. So I'm grateful. That God doesn't leave me, has never forgotten about me, and he is strong. He is so strong because how he did what, what he's done with the food and the smoking is, like, blows my mind up. And so I just think to myself, okay, I'm trusting. Okay, thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Mary Beth. Marcella M., your turn. Followed by Irene. Um, good morning, everybody. My name is Marcella M. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, happily living in Boston with no hunger. Thank you, God. I really love what I heard before that God must be so busy with world hunger. My hunger is irrelevant. I had no idea that um, eating compulsively all day long was a big obstacle in fulfilling my destiny for which I was created, it still marvels me. Um, My religious belief and the way that I was raised was all about separating myself from others. I was different. I was born in Mexico City, and most people don't share my religion, 
So the whole religious thing was to distinguish myself from others, which I did. I believed in God. I just didn't believe in people. And even when I learned about a vision for you, um, it helped a lot that I couldn't see you um, because I'm very judgmental and fearful. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to know if you were on an idea of weight and shape. I didn't want to know how you look, but I believed in the energy of your voices. And when I first met people in this line, live, when I uh, first met your faces and your bodies, I was, I believed even more that there's something going on here that is really taking everybody with a new sense of purpose and power. That power, that highly specific power that allows me to live in the world in front of other foods that don't belong to me and, and to eat only what belongs to me and be happy, content, and calm. And, and, we, and I met so many people that don't share my religion or any religion, and, and it marvels me, it continues to marvel me. I um, traveled to Spanish-speaking countries um, studying in long weekends the big book in Spanish. And um, what I'm finding is that most people in the Spanish-speaking world don't share my religion, and some of them are intolerant about people who don't believe in their own conception of God. And yet, if I stick to the writings of this book, there is no controversy, and there is unity. And I, we access together as a group an experience with a capital E that is sufficient to, um, to give us power to stop eating compulsively so that we can be of maximum helpfulness to the higher power, however inadequate our conception, or even our collective conception of that higher power. I'll never understand God because Time. God is God. Thank you. But an inadequate experience is enough to keep me recovered. Thank you. Thank you, Marcella. Arini. Arini M, please go ahead, followed by Leah. Thank you, Amy, for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M. from New York. By the grace of God, I have been saved, always given credit where credit is due. So all we have to do is seek God, and he will provide, and that all we need is our own concept of God, and he takes care of the rest. Wow. What a deal. What a deal. Ask and it will be given to you. You will receive it, but we need to ask for it first. Seek and you shall find. You will find because you are seeking. And knock and the door will open because you're knocking. You know, I don't know about you, but I was so undisciplined. I thought of going into the army so I can straighten out. I needed some kind of direction because I was all over the place. I was lost. As soon as I was willing to believe, oh, my gosh, the process began for me as it did for others in this program, and it will for you, only if you're willing. So because God does for us what we could never do for ourselves. 
I took action to take that first step towards God. I didn't have to understand or analyze. I couldn't. I couldn't wrap my mind around it. But what I was able to do, I was able to accept it. And it was a choice, a decision that changed my whole life. I had to position myself in the direction of the desire of my heart that I wanted to go towards. I wanted to be saved. I had to be saved. I wanted peace. I wanted sanity. I wanted serenity. I needed some kind of normalcy with food, with people, and especially with myself. Away from that chatter of my mind, I was a prisoner of my thoughts for so many years. And it began just by being still and listen. Listen to what? Listen to the heartbeat. That's where the kingdom of God resides, in me as he resides in you. I feel and listen to my breath. Where do you think this all comes from, the heartbeat and the breath? I admitted the truth. My creator, and I am just the creature. I came to believe by making a decision and taking some actions. I began to have... It's like a new direction by taking these simple steps. And I'm so grateful that God is possessing me as opposed to the food and that emotional roller coaster that I was on without a sign. Thank you. Thank you, Arini. Leah M., you're up. Thank you very much, Amy. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and to effect a contact with him. You know, when I read this, um, I'm reminded that this paragraph was uh, written from experience. It's hindsight. Much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God. Meaning, you know, if I know that I'm beaten to a pulp, uh, you know, there's nowhere else to go for someone like me. I just had to, uh, you know, throw myself uh, in surrender, you know. And, and I look at, you know, the text has already uh, given us Bill's story. You know, despite Bill's critique of organized religion and his rebelliousness and his intellectual pride and his inability to figure it all out and his reflections on the problem of evil and all that intellectual masturbation, you know, um, you know, despite all that, Bill could not deny or doubt the bottom line. He was drunk, right? And Ebby was sober. And and that was true for me, too. You know, despite the fact that I couldn't figure it out and I couldn't wrap my brain around what God was, was there a God, you know, would he care about, uh, you know, me and, and digging my fist day after day in the contents of a cellophane bag or a bakery box? The reality was I was approached by someone in whom the problem had been solved, who cracked open this text and who taught me that what the big book promised was that working the 12th steps, Leah, will remove the blocks that keep you from your higher power, however small you've conceived it, and that higher power will enter your life, Leah, and it will give you sanity. Simple. Simple. And you know what? I left that discussion with something I came in without, and that was hope. I left there with hope that these people 
It was a hundred that had written this text. It was many that were standing in the meeting that I was at, and they had been restored to sanity. And I was going to walk a path that I had never walked before, and I was going to experience a God I had never experienced before. And that's all I needed to know. That's all I needed to know, that if willingness was going to be the key to unlock the gates of my personal hell, it was going to be action, the action of the steps that was going to open those doors so that I eventually would walk freely. And today I say that was my experience. That was my experience, that I was awakened, my spirit was awakened through the acts of the 12 steps to lead me to a power that I so desperately needed. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah M. We have time for one more share. Who would like to take us out? Okay. I'm sorry, who was that? Najia has. Margia S., go ahead. Najia S., good morning. Thank you so much for your service and for everyone that is on the line. So I I guess I kind of just want to think this out loud, like, but haven't we already believed in a power greater than ourselves called the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup and an Almond Joy Bar and a container of Haagen-Dazs? We were already seeking relief from a power greater than ourselves, only it was in aisle six or, you know, wherever it was that we went. And it delivered obesity and diabetes and um, so many more other physical ailments, mental ailments and emotional and spiritual ailments. So we had already believed. So what do we have to lose? by believing in something that will bring about the opposite, that will bring about a change, like we'll have peace rather than despair. We'll have freedom rather than being in bondage to the food, in bondage to self. Like what, like what if we just did it the other way around? Like what if we just embraced? Our sister just used the word willingness. What if I was willing to embrace something, with a capital S, that would bring about a more beautiful, peaceful, loving change that would would make us what God created us to be, you know, used by him, you know, of service to others, and to be at home with ourselves and to be at peace with God. What if? I'll pass with that. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you so much, uh, Nazia. And with that, we're going to wrap things up. Thank you, everyone who has shared. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today's 7 a.m. meeting for April 3rd is 11,243. That's 11243. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Would Marcella M. please read A Vision for You? Thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. 
God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.